One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. It's great to jump into another episode of School of the Holy Spirit with you. Um, really looking forward to talking today about uh, really connecting the dots between uh, some of the messages I did in Rochester uh, last week, um, particularly with the, the oil um, and the message the Lord had me preach on the oil. And... Um, you know, the the church that needs awakened uh, with the oil. And so we're going to jump into that a lot deeper. You may recognize and find yourself um, in one of those situations, and the intent uh, really is to give you the picture of what it really means to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and walking in the power of the Spirit, because this isn't something meant for the elite. It's not for a small selected few um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power that it offers is really for those um, to embrace. It's really for the whole body to embrace um, the mindset of becoming supernatural and expecting nothing less. Okay, And that is the picture of what we had on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is actually a picture of what those who are not bound in the world system and conform to it, but they're actually renewed in their mind, right? They're not conformed to the world, but they're transfigured. They're transformed by the renewing of their mind. And so we're going to talk about a mind that matches the power of the Holy Spirit given to you. Because although the Lord actually gives many people the power of the Holy Spirit, mindsets, philosophies, and church doctrines are actually what limits people from expecting the supernatural. And, and that mindset actually is what relegates the sanctuary to a powerless dead place rather than what it's supposed to be, which is Pentecost is actually a picture of the sanctuary of the Lord where the water, the supernatural water, the power of the Holy Spirit flows out of the temple. It flows out from underneath the door of the sanctuary. Okay, so if your sanctuary isn't supernatural, the body's not going to be supernatural. Okay, so some of the questions I've been getting um, really from the last two messages I'm going to try to address today, um, particularly around the, uh, the picture that the Lord painted of what a person's supposed to be uh, equipped to, to fly as an eagle, um, being moved by the wind of the Spirit rather than a parrot um, who is subject to being a ground bird, um, you know, pecking seed and actually repeating each other. The Lord never wanted anybody to repeat each other. Even even the people, you know, that are, you know, you can tell they're anointed, you know, they have a call of God in their life, they bring a message. You're not supposed to simply go around repeating them. Those of you who follow me and download my stuff every week, I'm happy and glad that the Lord is shaking you, awakening you and equipping you. But the last thing I want you to do is walk around and simply repeat me because I believe the Lord has a message that the Lord is implanting in everybody. And that unique message the Lord is giving you is where your individual identity comes from. And so, you know, that's the picture, guys. You 
your mind being uh, given to match the expectation of the oil that's upon you. And, you know, in, in the last message I did in Rochester, um, the Lord had me uh, talk about um, what it means um, to not only have the oil on you, but to use the oil um, in the equipping of the church, in the in the finding of the Davids, right? That those who are lost in a shepherd field, all alone, neglected, um, exiled from their family, um, and somebody clothed in oil or carrying the horn of oil goes and finds them at the instruction of the Lord. And when they dump oil on them, they become supernatural. And, you know, at the end of that message, a man stood up and, and this man's name, Steve, I met him. Um, <clears throat> I met him uh, in July of uh, 20, what was that, J July of 2022, and I met him, he got off a plane because he wanted to, he desperately wanted to, um, you know, come to some of my meetings, so I met him, I said he could ride with me, I asked him to drive, and as he was driving, a couple things happened, one, we started talking about some of the things he faces and deals with in life, um, and he starts talking about fear, and, and I eventually, you know, come to realize, you know, he, he didn't know the Holy Spirit. He grew up in a Catholic church, never never knew what the Holy Spirit really was. Um, so a couple things happened. First off, we cast a demon of fear out of him. And he starts, as, as he's driving, as we're casting a demon out of him, you know, he literally starts, like, shaking, you know, deliverance, like relief, like, oh my gosh, I never felt this peace. And the next thing that happened is he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, long story short, this guy has, in about six months, just really advanced in dreams and visions. Um, and so this guy was at the meeting last week in Rochester, uh, New York. And after I preached the message that the Lord had me preach about the oil and the significance of those who carry the oil, what they're supposed to go do and finding the Davids who are lost in the world. Um, he stands up and he says, I had a dream last night, right? And he, he starts talking about um, being in hell and seeing these people tormented by demons. And off in a distance, he said he saw this man covered in a golden oil coming, um, uh, like violently coming toward the scene to get the people delivered from the demons. And um, he says, I saw your face. It was you. It was Dave Cuppet. Um, and so... That, that's a sign, guys. That's a supernatural sign, okay? Not only did I preach what the Lord was uh, had me preach for those people in Rochester, but when the man stood up and said, the Lord gave me this dream, I didn't understand it, but now I do because the value of the oil and the equipping of one who's covered in the oil to put the oil on the people so that they actually become... Uh, the hunter instead of the ones being the hunted, right? They become supernatural because of the baptism of Christ. We talked about that last week, Acts 19. Um, repentance is not the baptism of Christ. Repentance is the beginning of needing a Savior. And when you receive your Savior, He baptizes you in the oil of the Holy Spirit and makes you supernatural. And you are no longer a victim of the world. The, the world becomes your place of releasing the vengeance of God upon the earth, which is to, to set the captive free, heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, right? Bring judgments against the demonic powers and bringing people out of captivity. And that also includes, guys, dead churches. A lot of what I do is the Lord sends me and connects me um, really to help pastors come out of 
uh, some form of captivity, some form of blindness. Um, and we've seen entire church congregations transition from places that have, re- have neglected the Holy Spirit or were never taught by the Holy Spirit um, or actually really enslaved, right? They're castrated. As, as, as you guys listen to the stuff and the questions come in about, you know, the, how do you tell if the Jezebel spirit's there? Well, the, the most important element in determining whether the Jezebel spirit's there is whether or not the, the congregation and the sanctuary is a supernatural place. If the people as a whole are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, um, and seeing the vision of the Lord, which equips them to prophesy so that they can go do their thing, go do what the Lord has called them to do, then Jezebel is present. That's called a castrated church. That's called a dead church that is unable to reproduce. Because what what causes the uh, the church to be reproductive is not only Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but each individual hearing the voice of God and going out into the world and using the gifts of the Spirit to reveal Christ on earth, okay? And so if that is not present in the church, then yes, Jezebel is present, okay? Jezebel is present, and it needs to be addressed because if Jezebel is present, then the political spirit, the religious spirit, some form of control, right, is present. And so... You know, the importance of the oil is so that you embrace the supernatural and the sanctuary reflects the sanctuary in heaven, right? The throne room. Um, if, if, you're, if you read John chapter 4 and 5 and it describes what the throne room looks like, you have the four living creatures, you have the supernatural ones around the throne. That's you guys, okay? That's a picture of you um, embodied as the eagle, the ox, the lion, right? And the man, you have the face of those who surround the throne of heaven. And that picture is what the church is supposed to be, not only a place of supernatural worship, but a place of face-to-face encounter of hearing the voice of the Lord. And that's what makes you, um, that's what reveals uh, whether a church is apostolic. I don't care how well organized the church is. Actually, the most organized churches are often the most controlled churches. The most controlled churches are the ones who have scripted, uh, scripted worship, scripted mess, or you know, notification and um, you know, messages to the people, and then the preacher. Right? Everything is scripted. The most apostolic churches are unscripted. There is no other than, hey, we're going to do worship, and if if the Lord shifts our direction, if the Holy Spirit speaks, we may be here for the next three hours as the Lord ministers supernaturally to the body and equips the body. That is what the true apostolic church is, okay? It's uncontrolled, untamed. It, it is the wild horse. It's the wild ministry call of God, okay? And so we're going to get into that today um, because the Lord wants the oil to be so embraced that rather than you being subject to systems and philosophies um, of a of a church structure, the most important element in your life is the voice of God. And when your mind becomes dedicated to the power of the oil, which the power of the oil is actually equipping you in dreams and visions so that you will prophesy, right? Because the pattern in Pentecost was... Um, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is poured out. The tongue of fire rests upon uh, the people, right? 
And what happens next? They begin to embody the Spirit. They allow the Spirit to pray through them, right? Tongues begins to flow through them. And when tongues begins to flow through them, the relational dynamic of people interpreting the voice of the Lord or hearing the voice of God for the first time in their life becomes real. It, so, so prophecy is a product of being equipped to pray supernaturally. Um, and then the, the ultimate level of that is you embrace it so profoundly, it, you set your mind on the Spirit so profoundly that you embrace the Spirit and the Spirit intoxicates you. That is the only way you will actually influence the world and turn the world um, um, and, and break the grip of darkness off of the people around you is because you become intoxicated with heaven. You become intoxicated with the Holy Spirit and not simply looking like all the dead religious people around you who don't prophesy, who don't pray, who have no prayer life. You can't tell them from the world, okay? That's not a Christian. That's called a, that's, that, that's actually um, a person that's more deceived than the worldly person. The worldly person's a sinner and has chose to go sin. And they have many excuses, often being that they just don't know. But the person who sits in church, who does not know the Holy Spirit, who does not know the voice of God, is actually the most deceived because they think they're saved because they raised their hand one time when everybody's eyes were closed, heads bowed, eyes closed. And, and there's no conviction, there's no, you need a savior, there's no confrontation of sin, and you actually shaking and crying and weeping as the Holy Spirit is breaking you free as you give your heart to Christ and being delivered from the world, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you begin to say, oh my goodness, this Holy Ghost is what I need. I don't need what the world can offer me, I need the Holy Ghost. And then all the gifts literally come through the voice, through the dream and vision of the Lord and make you supernatural. And that's what makes you different. You look different. You act different because you know the one who has shaken your life and set your heart free from the deception and the powerlessness, okay? And so, you know, it's important that you understand what a true apostolic ministry is. A true apostolic ministry is very simple. You equip the body to hear the voice of the Lord through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you organize the body in hearing the voice, and you move the body. Uh, the most important element of a, a true apostolic ministry is discernment. Do you know why? It's because you don't rely on controlled, scripted 15 minutes of this, 15 minutes of, of uh, you know, a, a message, um, and everything scripted. You don't rely on control. You rely on discernment. Be why? Because discernment is the most powerful gift in discerning the move of the Spirit with the body. How do you train the body? The body as a whole, when they're equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, one person, it's like popcorn, one person over here gets a vision, and he says, this is what the Lord is saying. And then another person over here says, this is what the Lord is saying. This is the vision the Lord's given me. And so the apostolic leadership has to discern how the Lord is speaking through the body and recognizing, oh my goodness, the Lord is leading us to go work with this homeless shelter. Oh my goodness, the Lord is leading us to set apart eight people who are going to go to India and get a thousand people a night baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Okay, that is the st strategic aspect of what a true apostolic ministry is. It's not based on control and how organized the church is. It's actually how well you hear the voice of God. Because the voice of God is always going to use the body to do supernatural things. The discernment is also needed from apostolic leadership to say, Hey man, I'm glad you're trying, but that's really not God. That was your own heart. 
Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. The apostolic actually is a safe place where people train and hear, and it requires conflict. It requires confrontation. You have to give people feedback and say, "Oh yeah, that was the voice of God. I know. I I discern that was the voice of God. I had the same. The Lord is leading me in the same way with a similar vision. Right? That's discernment. Okay. That's that's that requires the leadership to be in ultimate relationship with the Father." the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not biblical scripture-based, but Holy Ghost-based, okay? And there's a difference, guys. The Bible is 100% true, but the only way discernment happens, discerning the voice of the Lord, is by the Holy Ghost, right? Isaiah 11 says that Jesus was clothed in the sevenfold Spirit of God, and it says, ultimately, the Spirit equipped him to judge not by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but with the gift of true discernment. And that's what the apostle is supposed to do. You judge by the Spirit, the direction and the flow, and what the Lord wants you to do. Because you can look all day in Scripture um, and, and say, well, yeah, I, I understand where you know Paul and Silas were separated to do this, and people were separated to do that. But the reality is, in the group of people that you are leading or you are part of, when the Lord starts to speak, guess what? Sending a people, sending eight people to India is not in the Bible. The only way you know it's of God is if you have discernment. And that is what the majority of the church lacks today because they base their, their structures on control schemes instead of relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and discern the will of God, where they want to move the body, okay? And so the reality is when you don't have that, you have a dead church, okay? The apostolic ministry, the true, um, you know, Jesus actually said this in John ten thirty eight. He said, if you don't see the power, if you don't um, recognize the presence of heaven, don't believe. If it's not supernatural, if there's not signs and wonders, don't believe, okay? Do not believe. And so Paul, Paul actually talks about, you know, the true apostolic ministry um, the evidence of the of the apostle are signs and wonders. Okay, the Lord actually confirms what He sent you to go do. Okay, just like just like I described to you. Okay, the Lord gives me a download. He tells me I want to pour out the oil to equip the body that you're preaching to, so that that is what transfigures them out of becoming parrots who simply repeat into eagles that not only recognize and consume their enemies, but rule the skies. They dominate. Okay, so if you haven't listened to those two messages that previous to this, I encourage you to go back and listen to them and then start this back up because you will get the picture of what the Lord is doing in Rochester. You'll get the picture of what the Lord wants to do to release and awaken a true apostolic supernatural force. Okay? Amen? And so... You know, everywhere Jesus went in public, you know, he demonstrated the kingdom. Why? Because the voice of the Lord led him one day to the woman at the well, one day to the man chained to the tombs, one day to the to the to feed the five thousand, one day to cast the, cast demons um, out out of the boy who threw himself in the fire. Okay, that's all by the voice of God. Okay, Jesus demonstrated in public how the power of the kingdom works as he was led by the Spirit to do specific things, okay? And so I want to talk to you today about what all what, what um, connects you to reflect the way Jesus did it, 
Okay, because if you're not doing it the way Jesus did it, if you are if you are not casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, and demonstrating the kingdom and signs and wonders following you, um, we got a problem, guys. Let's just be real. I mean, there's a whole lot of fake churches. Just because they have a cross in the front door doesn't mean they are uh, called by God. Okay, um, the true called by God pours out into the street and it can't be stopped. And and so. You know, the last couple of weeks as, as those messages came forward, um, intoxication is not an optional thing. Intoxication by the Spirit is a needed thing. And the only way you become intoxicated is when you give your mind to the Spirit. Okay? So the way this works is you have uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People are equipped to pray in tongues. You then have to willingly give your heart to pray. You have to choose to give time to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you gather with people, you pray in the Holy Ghost. What happens then? The next thing on Pentecost was the prophecy, right? Prophecy is a product of visions and dreams. That's how the Lord speaks. And when you get visions and dreams, you then release the will of God. That's called prophecy. So when you give your heart to pray in the power of the Holy Ghost with the gift of tongues, prophecy is an outcrop of that. And out of that, when you spend time in the presence of the Lord as a group, you literally, there's an impartation, something that intoxicates you with a revelation of the will of God. Intoxication should always be the power that you wait and rely on. So prophecy is not the end game. Prophecy is is a communication process, okay? Once you get to the point of having dreams and visions and you begin to release it out of your mouth, you begin to prophesy the, the power of what the Lord is saying to you, you, as you speak it, you, your heart and mind are aligned. You're given to the will of God. There is an intoxication. There is a literal impartation of the Spirit, Holy Spirit upon you. And so your life in prayer will define you. And that's why so many churches are dead and powerless, because when you interview pastors, number one, most pastors in America aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've been, I've seen hundreds and thousands of them, okay? Most are not baptized in the Holy Ghost. So just because they have a cross in the door and they can be articulate um, talking about Scripture, talking about Scripture isn't it, guys, okay? Talk to, talking about Scripture is not the evidence, the Pharisee talked about Scripture, and what did Jesus call the Pharisee? He called him dead men's bones. He called he called them liars. He said, you are of your father the devil. He said, you are actually using Scripture to enslave and imprison people and not to reveal the Savior that releases them, gives them wings. No longer are they parrots and, and people uh, picking peck seed on the earth. They, are be, they become supernatural by the wind of the Spirit, right? That's what Jesus said in John 3. He said, when you are born again, verse 8 says, when you are born again, you will be moved by the wind of the Spirit. That is the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, guys. And so a violent prayer, violent prayer is not an optional thing. It's actually the product of the Spirit. Whenever you give your mind to a prayer life where you dedicate your time to not only chase God, but hear God, to pray in His language and with the intent that you know He's going to give you His will. And when you become intoxicated with His will, there is a force that pours out onto the street. That's the picture of Pentecost. They became intoxicated with the will of God. 
And suddenly when the presence of God was upon them because they were intoxicated, it says 3,000 were brought into the church. Okay, the church was birthed on a day when the people in the upper room became intoxicated. They became embodied with the presence and the will of God. All a product of what was first given to them, which was the gift of tongues, violent prayer. And so I want to talk to you about violent prayer because a lot of people write in and say, well, what do you mean the barracuda? What do you mean I'm castrated? What do you mean that our, you know, a church, how do you tell when a church is politically driven and not driven by the Spirit? Well, what opens your eyes, guys? The only thing that can open your eyes is the Holy Spirit, okay? You can recognize tendencies and patterns, but at the end of the day, I gave you the most important one, is if the sanctuary, if the body as a whole is not praying in the Spirit and being moved by the voice of the Lord, dreaming His dream and seeing His vision and seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow in the sanctuary, you're in a dead place. I don't care what they tell you, you're in a dead place. Because just an altar call doesn't define you. You hearing the voice of the Lord and being absolutely overcome by His voice is what defines His church being poured out on the earth. Amen? And so recognizing the fake is one of the first things that will happen to people when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. They'll say, oh my gosh, why don't they do this? Why didn't the pastor ever pray for me? To get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, because that pastor doesn't value the Holy Ghost. Okay? You can't hide what you are. Okay? If you value the Holy Ghost and are, are embodied by, are, and are baptized by Christ, right? We talked about that last week. The true um, evidence of Christ is His baptism upon your life. Right? He baptizes you in the same power that He carried on the earth. And that power then becomes the central value system in your life. And you then give away what you received. It's not that difficult, okay? There's not a bunch of rules. There's not a bunch of control. There's not a bunch of, how do I get people in here? I don't want to offend them and all that kind of stuff. Guess what? The Holy Ghost wasn't worried about offending people. He actually revealed supernatural on the day of Pentecost. And, our, and the churches who don't embody the Spirit, they actually look like the world afraid to offend people. They want people inside the walls because it's a numbers game to them. They have to control their body instead of empower their body. And what will set you apart is once you walk through this process, as you are um, be, fall in love with the power of the Holy Ghost, you will then pour out onto the street because of the violent prayer in your life. Amen. So I want to talk about violent prayer uh, today because violent prayer is something that Jesus said that it's actually um, evidence of the presence of God in your life. Matthew eleven twelve says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And so when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay, you, you literally, you're like, right? I mean, people describe the feeling. It's, oh my gosh, I was alive. My, my goodness, I, Scripture came alive to me. I could, the Lord started to talk to me about Scripture, and then He started to talk to me about people in my life and all this stuff, right? So, so you become intoxicated with the revelation, um, but your mind is where violence comes from, okay? You have to be purposed that you're going to go into prayer. You have to design your sanctuary as a place where the people are purposed to go into worship and to go into prayer because it's out of violent prayer. It's out of people as a whole praying in the Holy Ghost that the will of God is made known to man. Okay? 
A guy standing up in a pulpit in front of a thousand people talking very articulately about something in Scripture does not embody entirely the will of God, okay? The will of God actually is revealed by the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's, a, it's a sanctuary where the body as a whole is in worship, expecting the Lord to speak to them individually, okay? Not simply reliant on a man um, to interpret a scripture, okay? That's all well and good, and there's teaching that's required in, in the body of Christ and scriptural understanding. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a true apostolic anointing on a body, on a church sanctuary, where the people are fully expectant to become part of a culture that violently prays. And rarely in America do you see a culture that violently prays. I guarantee you this, when you do see a culture that violently prays, when you see a hundred or five hundred people violently praying, my goodness, guess what? Not only will the city quake, but the region will quake, the state will quake, other nations will quake at the sound that comes from violent prayer. Okay, and so always in violent prayer, violent prayer produces Mark 16. These signs will follow those that believe in my name. You will cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. You will pray in tongues, right? All the signs of the supernatural. If I, I always tell people all the time, they say, well, I never cast out a demon. I never, I never prayed for somebody and they got healed. I say, well, let's get you praying first. Let's Get your heart and mind aligned that you're going to pray sometimes through the night. You're going to wake up at the unction of the Lord and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues as the Lord leads you. And you do not listen to your body saying, oh, I got to get to bed. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. You actually throw all that aside. And the power uh, that you set your mind on, which is the, 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 the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost, okay? Jesus had to rely on the Holy Ghost to raise him up. And so do you. And so with the sooner you set your mind on praying violently in the Holy Ghost for hours, I mean, some, you know, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 60 minutes, sometimes it's, it's hours, sometimes it's all-nighters, okay? And you've been robbed of these experiences if you sit in churches that simply get you to come back the next week and put your money in a plate. Okay, that's a lie from the devil, because at the end of the day, the nature of Christ was violent prayer. Jesus actually says, right, he's actually saying um, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He's teaching them that, that the coming of the spirit of Elijah, the coming of the supernatural voice of God on earth is a product of people taking what is rightfully theirs. And so although Jesus comes in moments on your heart and equips you and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, you have to set your mind on the way of the Spirit, right? Romans 8 talks about the sons of God being led by the Spirit of God, okay? They're not, they're not guys who simply read and have knowledge of Scripture. They're led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and I, oh my gosh, this is such an important point, guys. You have to get it wrapped around your mind that all these people and you grew up in these places where all you heard was, did you read your Bible? Did you read your Bible? Did you read your Bible? Well, you know what Jesus is up there asking? Guess what? He's saying this. Guess what? The guys at Pentecost didn't have a Bible, but they had the Holy Ghost. They had the Holy Ghost. And he's up there saying, chase the Holy Ghost. 
Chase the Holy Ghost. Chase the Holy Spirit. Because it's by the Spirit that people are revealed the kingdom. So the way you chase the kingdom is by the Spirit. Tongues is the most powerful gift a man could ever receive. Okay? And tongues is the platform by which you set your mind to be violent in chasing down the kingdom of heaven because it's rightfully there, it's rightfully yours. And the only way you can get there is not simply by um, conditioning yourself to read scripture. It's by chasing the Holy Spirit through the gift he gave you to let the voice of the Spirit get you in the door, right? I can, I can tell you story after story of being taken to heaven after praying three hours or, or whatever it was. And all of a sudden the Lord comes and I'm there, right? And he's revealing answers to my questions or things he wants me to do next. And so the point, guys, is violent prayer. You don't see it much today. But violent prayer is a mainstay um, in a sanctuary, having an, uh, a sanctuary reflecting the kingdom of God and um, a sanctuary having an impact on the world. The reason why you see hundreds of churches with crosses on their front door, yet the majority of the people, you never saw a demon cast out, you never saw a prophecy, you never saw anybody healed, is because they're dead sanctuaries. They don't have violent prayer. They don't have intercession. They don't have a people that are chasing the Holy Spirit. Um, amen. And so, you know, this, this word violent, you know, a lot of people can get a little messed up with this saying, well, what do you mean Jesus is violent? Well, yeah, Jesus was violent. He was violent in the spirit. Okay. It, he actually, in, in, the, in Isaiah 63, um, it, it says that Jesus, uh, had vengeance in his heart. Okay. That's a, that's a form of violence. And the form of violence is actually against the darkness. I am angered when I walk into sanctuaries and the body that thinks they're saved, that thinks they're, they're good with Jesus, and they, they've never prophesied, they never hear the voice of God, they've never had a dream, they've never had a vision, and they literally come back as conditioned robots willing to, I don't know, go through the steps. That's called a cult, okay? That's called a cult. Um, and... and the reason I love going into dead places is to reveal the Spirit of God, okay? And because the Spirit of God is the only thing that gives life. There's nothing else that could give life. Jesus, who was the who is known as the Word in heaven, right? That's his name in heaven, the Word. Um, if, if, if you read the book of Revelation uh, 19, it says his name is written on him, the Word. I would say, okay, so the Word is a person. It's not Scripture, okay? The Word is a person. And the Word went to the cross and died for your sin, meaning that you are embodied. Your sin goes to, goes to hell in the revelation that you need the only one that can raise you up. And the only one that raised you up is the one that Jesus depended on, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus up on the third day in the resurrection. Amen? And so the mindset, guys... Um, of depending on the Holy Spirit is imperative to you finding your call, to you being led by the Spirit to where He's leading you and um, you being revealed the giftings of the Spirit. And so this word violent in, in this scripture is actually the word bios. Um, it means those who seize. It means the key holders of heaven. Um, those who, am, who are empowered to release Pentecost on earth, okay? So do you want to be one of those who seize? 
seize the day, seize the moment. Okay, if you want to, then you've got to make up your mind, not just a one-time experience, but you have to make up your mind to chase the Holy Ghost. And the way you chase the Holy Ghost is a powerful prayer life. And it's contagious because once it happens to you, then it happens to everybody around you. People say, well, how did, how did that happen in you? How did that start with you? What, what happened? Why, why when you go into rooms, why does everybody who doesn't pray in tongues, when you're done speaking um, and the Holy Ghost comes into the room, why does everybody erupt, baptize in the Holy Ghost, erupt praying in tongues? Whether it's 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. I've seen 2,000 people at, at an altar in India um, who were worshiping idols in the morning suddenly uh, baptized in the real power of Christ, shaking on the ground, weeping, praying in tongues, thousands, okay? Why does that happen? I give no credit to anything other than the Holy Spirit revealed himself to me, and I set my mind on chasing the Holy Spirit, okay? Literally chasing the Holy Spirit with an expectation that everywhere, as Jesus went everywhere and people were set free, that when I go places, the presence of God will be so profound because I'm going as he leads me, as he gives me vision, as, as I speak his will, that the presence of God will set people free from dead religious powerless systems. Amen? And so I encourage you guys, seize the day. Seize your prayer life. Seize your time every day to embrace the work of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Amen? Because if you don't, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there in a dead place. You're going to sit there. You're going to go back uh, every Sunday and just sit um, and go through the motions of of powerlessness, which is okay. Thirty seconds of worship, or I'm sorry, thirty minutes of worship. Uh, some good announcements. Hey, we got some good cookouts going on. All this kind of stuff, and then a scripted message. Okay, that's a dead thing, guys. That is a dead, 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 dead thing. That is not what the church looked like. If you read Acts chapter 2 and you study church history, it, it says they went from house to house. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4. They went from house to house. Okay? What did they do? They didn't have one guy um, coming with an entertaining message and a whole bunch of organization. In fact, they had very little organization. All they knew was come together and pray. And oh my goodness, the Holy Ghost suddenly pours into the, into the living room. And when the Holy Ghost pours into the living room, people pour out into the street intoxicated in the Holy Ghost, sent with messages, sent to go talk to Martha to get Martha healed, sent to go lay their hands on that demonized guy that sits in the corner and begs every day. Amen. They poured out into the street. It was simple. It wasn't all this structure and organization. Structure and organization does not make a guy an apostle. Okay? Signs and wonders and the equipping of the body is what makes a true apostle. Amen? And if you're not sitting under a true apostle, don't waste your time. Run. Run. Okay? I'm telling you, run, run, run until you, ch you find the Holy Ghost. And so... You know, this is about a heart check, guys. This is about a heart check. Let me remind you of the life of Christ, right? He had no place to lay his head. He didn't go back to the same place every day. He didn't go back to the same sanctuary week after week, okay? He had no place to lay his head. He went from town to town, led by the Spirit, 
to not only heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils, but to confront the self-righteous, those who set up church buildings and said, we are of our father Abraham, right? The Pharisee, he actually confronted them. He he called them liars, hogs, dogs. He said, you are um, of your father, the devil. You are dead. You are whitewashed tombs, right? Sepulchers, places of death. That's what he called the, the guys who repeated scripture, who did not know the Holy Ghost. He called them places of death. Go read, go read Matthew 23, Matthew 24. Amen. He called them places of death. Okay. Temple tax, the dead synagogue, right? Indicators of the Pharisee. Right? They could they could drive their Mercedes. They could they could live in their lavish houses. And then you compare that to Jesus not having a place to lay his head, but going from house to house, town to town, city to city, right? It doesn't, something doesn't add up. Something doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up, guys. If, if Jesus demonstrated it one way, and yet we have these organized church systems that look more like the synagogues in the day of Jesus, who Jesus confronted, something doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. You have to ask yourself the question, why do people that go in there never come out in the power of the Holy Ghost? Why do people that go in there still have their woes, still have their pain, still have their depression? Why are they not hearing God? You got to ask the question. It doesn't add up. You see, the way of the early church, if, if, you, read the, if you read the history of the early church, the early church valued the living room so profoundly that they actually set up um, some basic rules of operation around the living room. They actually said, if you have a traveling minister, somebody that the Lord has sent here with a message for the body, meaning, you know, this guy, right, from, from Florida is sent to Rochester, uh, Rochester, New York, with a vision from the Lord that the, that the people that the Lord is calling in that living room that I preached in, the Lord is equipping them with a fresh oil that's going to ignite their life. It's going to ignite their prayer life. It's going to change their perception of what a church is and what their calling is, right? That, that, that um, had a condition on it, okay? The early church fathers said that if, um, if you are a traveling minister going into cities, into sanctuaries, so to speak, into living rooms. If you were there for more than three days, they required you, you have to get a job because this isn't about serving you, traveling minister. This isn't about our the money that comes together serving you, traveling minister, okay? The money that comes in is about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if you become part of this body, then you better get a job, right? Just like everybody else in that living room has a job, Okay, you better get a job because we're not here to sustain your life so that you can drive a Mercedes and you can live in a lavish house and you can come to work five days a week and talk about how you're going to organize and control a sanctuary. No, no, no. We don't need that. What we do need are people who are going to come together to give their money to the cause of Christ and send people. Some guy's going to Turkey this week. Some guy named Paul and Silas is going to Turkey this week. Amen. You get the picture? You get the picture, guys? I mean, my gosh, if you compare the current acceptable Christian church organization that has a 501c3 and all the pastors are kept and maintained by the body who brings money in and there's no missions, there's nothing supernatural going on out into the street, guess what? 
You crossed the lines. You don't look like Jesus anymore. You're or, you are managing an organized system instead of depending on the voice of the Lord to lead you next week into the next living room, into the next city, into the next place. Okay? I have no idea where I'm going to be in six months. I have, I have a clue of where I'm going here in the next three, four, five months because people call me. They want, they, they, the Lord has opened the door and they want the, the equipping, this apostolic equipping of the supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost. Okay? But it's part of my responsibility um, that I don't become part of the system. I don't want people to pay me to preach. Okay? I don't want people to actually, um, you know, just make it about, make it about um, just the way you look at, at other pastors in church organizations that don't reproduce in the Spirit. Okay? I don't want that. If you want to sow into my ministry so that I can go to Pakistan on my next mission and India on my next mission, because that does take money, right? So be it, okay? I, I accept the help, but I don't want you to think of me as one that you need to keep, okay? The Lord keeps me. The Lord provides my, my funding. The Lord provides income for me to manage my family and do what I'm called to do, Okay? But the extra, right, going to Pakistan or wherever the Lord is sending me, yes, that does take money. If you want to help, you help. But I do not require you to pay me to hear me preach. You do not have to come through the door with a required so-called tithe. You do not have to come through the door with a, with a required so-called condition of leadership of giving 10%, okay? That, that, that's religion. That is not how the early church ensured that it stayed supernatural in living rooms, being simple in people coming together and praying and hearing the voice of the Lord. And when he comes, he, he pours out into the street and it, and it cannot be stopped. Okay? That's how the church in Iraq works. That's why it's the fastest growing church on earth. They're persecuted. They cannot set up a church on every street corner. They get beheaded. And, and so it actually works in their favor because they are in living rooms as a group seeking the voice of the Lord. And when they hear the voice of God, then they go, uh, can you picture being in Iraq? How do you go knock on another person's door if the Lord isn't leading you? If you knock on a door that you are not, um, that you don't know that the Lord led you to, and it's time that that family is going to come to Christ to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they're going to become part of a supernatural thing, guess what? You're knocking on the door of a religious group who will behead you. So you better know, you better be led by the voice of the Lord. The persecution is actually the most, one of the most powerful elements of how the church in Iraq is becoming so glorious because they need the voice. If they don't need the voice, guess what? They die prematurely. In America, you don't need that. In America, you just go when you want to go you can deal with persecution or not, but most people avoid all the confrontation. They don't even witness. They don't, most, most church folk don't witness because they're not burning, because they don't have a violent prayer life, okay? And you can't hide it, okay? You can't hide it. You see, once I was set on fire, once I decided I was going to do it, um, I would do anything to reveal Christ. And as the Lord led me on uh, to 7-Eleven or to Walmart or to the next church door and knock on church doors or, or whatever the Lord led me to do, and then the dreams of going to India, sleeping in brothels, 
right? Getting, um, getting different forms of sickness and parasites. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been, I, I came back, you know, sick, right? I mean, lost 20, 30 pounds after a mission, um, so that I could take the gospel, the real gospel and set pastors on fire, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag, but I got to ask you the question, what has the gospel cost you? What have you actually done to give the Holy Ghost away? Because if you don't hear preaching like this, guess what? When you're sitting in a dead place and you have no conviction of what it costs you, when it doesn't cost you anything, guess what? You're numb, dude. You've been, you've been put to sleep by Jezebel, castrated slowly, and, and positioned to be numb the rest of your life until somebody covered in oil comes and wakes you up. Amen? And so... Man, the oil and violent prayer are, are so important. You have to value the oil so profoundly that you become the oil. You become the one who carries the oil into hell. Just like the Steve who, who stood up and said, I see, I see Dave Cuppet running into hell. I saw him covered in oil, delivering people from, from the demonic powers. Um, you've, got, you've got to see yourself in that same position, guys. If you don't, we got to get you clothed in oil. We got to get your mind set on the oil, on the presence of the Holy Ghost, and that the Lord has a plan for your life. It's something that is, to, is that in five years from now, I guarantee if you begin praying now violently on a daily basis in, in the gift of tongues, in prayer, you will not look the same. You will not look the same in three years, four years, five years. You'll be unrecognizable. They'll say, who is that guy? You know why? Because the flame on you cannot be quenched. It can't be covered. You're willing to let yourself burn instead of conforming to the deadness of what, of what these dead leaders in these sanctuaries have deceived you into thinking that, oh yeah, you just raise your hand and oh yeah, I got, I got one back there. I got one back there. I got one, says, says he, he believes. Hey, that's great. Well, guess what? If you don't convict them of their sin, of their death and powerlessness, and that the drug that can't save them, uh, the woeful thought process and the depression that can't save them, if that doesn't get shaken off them in the deliverance as they're baptized in the Holy Ghost, guess what? They have a false understanding of what it means to believe in Jesus. And that's what America is. That's what the majority of America is, dead. Dead. Because if they were alive, they'd be out in the street looking for anybody the Lord leads them to, to get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, casting demons out of your friends, casting demons out of yourself. Amen? And I'll, I just want to cover one last thing before we close for today. Um, on the topic of, of repentance, well, let me, let, let me back up. In John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of three things. First, he convicts you of your sin. You actually need a savior, okay? If you're gay, if you are in bisexual relationships, um, if you're uh, in absolute depression, if you're in all forms of sin, lying, cheating, stealing, guess what? You're in sin. And if you don't repent, you're fooling yourself. You need to come and repent and say, Jesus, I need you. I repent. Deliver me of this junk. And, and, the, and not only that, you then need baptized in Christ because the two other things that Jesus said, not only will you be convicted of sin by the Holy Ghost, 
You will be convicted of your identity. Okay, number number two is identity. You are not what the world says you are. You are not bisexual. You are not in out of uh, wedlock sin. Okay, that's not you. That's the captured demonic entity of you. Okay, what you are is according to Christ, the delivered one, the anointed one, the empowered one. And when you set your mind on number three, on, actually, when you set your mind on number two, that you are what the Lord says you are and not what the world says you are, then the conviction process is made whole. You are no longer the old man. You are the new creature. You are the supernatural one that the Lord has awakened, which leads you to element number three, that when the Holy Spirit comes, um, he will convict the darkness. He will judge the darkness. He will judge demons. He will drive out demons. He will cast out demons. He will be violently um, representing the kingdom of heaven on you against the dark powers of the world. Okay? And that, that those three things, if those three things aren't present in, in your church or in your life, guess what? You've been duped, man. You've been duped. Because the only way you'll become violent is when you begin to be convicted of what you're not, as well as convicted of what you are according to the prophecy that the Lord speaks to you in dreams, visions, and people coming to you and speaking prophetically. You were this, but the Lord says you're this. You used to be a Gideon hiding in a wine cellar, and now you are the one I've awakened to go to the nations, to cast out demons, heal the sick, to equip the body and the power of the Holy Ghost, okay? Those are two different identities. They can't exist in the same place. Your mind will choose one of them. What do you choose? Okay? And that's why prophecy is so important in the body, because unless a person hears the vision of God for their life, how do they step into what they're to become? You have to have prophecy as a central element of the body, of the sanctuary. Amen? And so it's important to understand that because when you get to Revelation 21, I'm going to read this, this verse. Revelation 21, verse 8, it says, But as for the cowards, the ignoble, and the contemptible, and the cravingly lacking in courage, and cowardly submissive, okay, what's he describing there? He's describing those, uh, uh, he's describing those who are powerless, who are cowardly, who are hiding in fear, okay? And he connects them with this. And as for the unbelieving and faithless, and as for the depraved and defiled with abominations, those bound in sin, and as for murderers and the lewd and adulterous and the practicers of magic arts and the idolaters and all liars, their part is to take the blazes of fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Okay, I read this out of the Amplified because it gives a lot more description of what this scripture actually means. So he actually says these words, as for the cowards, the powerless guys, he's talking about the powerless. He's talking about the shepherds who allow their, their sanctuaries to be powerless places of organized listening to scripture, but no demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. As for the cowards and the ignoble and the contemptible and the cravingly lacking in courage, okay, and the cowardly submissive, it's just like the sinner. It's just like the one practicing magic. It's just like those worshiping idols and other gods. He puts you in the same category. He puts powerlessness 
in the exact same category as, as a different religion, as something that doesn't reflect him, guys. Okay? This word ignoble is a pretty important word. It actually means to not uh, be honorable in purpose. And I, you, if you've listened to my stuff, I've said it for years. If you're not in purpose, you're in perversion. If you don't know your purpose, it's because you don't have a relationship with him and you don't hear him. And if you don't hear him, then you need to repent and fall on your face and realize that what you thought was Christianity may not be Christianity because real Christianity involves a baptism. It involves a conviction of sin, you turning from your sin. It involves you laying on your face, being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when you get up resurrected in the power of the Holy Ghost, you dream his dream and you see his vision. You are led by a supernatural force. You don't walk the way the world walks according to your own decisions. You walk in prayer, in violent prayer, chasing the Holy Ghost and letting the Holy Ghost lead you through life. That's what makes you different. That's why when you go places, you pour the Holy Ghost out on people. You cast out devils, heal the sick and raise the dead. Amen. And so, man, I just, I encourage you guys um, you know, please reach out to me if, if you have questions. I know there's a lot of people listening that, um, man, this is, this is not just regular charismatic stuff where, you know, you, you believe in baptism. Um, this is actually you realizing that you may still be dead. Okay. You may still be dead if you are not in purpose, if you are not on uh, going out into the world, if you are not have places where the Lord is leading you to impart and prophesy and preach and teach and do the supernatural things with, with the, the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders following you, then you've been duped, man. You've been duped. But it all starts with a, a repentance of of, and all repentance is, guys, is a recognition of what you thought was or what you thought you were may not be. And you need the Holy Ghost to reveal to you his real intent, his desire for your life so that you are not ignoble. You are not out of purpose. You are not powerless hiding in a dead sanctuary. Okay, you, you get the picture? Dead sanctuaries are, are prison cells. Dead sanctuaries, although they say things about Jesus, if you are not baptized in the Holy Ghost, hearing the voice of the Lord, you're in a dead place. And you think it actually gives you life, but you're dead, right? That's what Jesus talked about. Um, the, the, the church, one, one of the churches in the, the, the seven churches in the beginning of the book of Revelation, he says, you think you're alive, but you're dead. Just because you talk about me doesn't mean you're alive. Okay? You have to drink the water. You have to drink the living waters of Christ. You have to, it has to sustain you. It has to fuel you. It has to um, be violent inside of you to a point where it can't be contained. It can't be stopped. It literally comes out, okay? And so, man, guys, I, I really believe the Lord is doing a work. Um, people uh, all over the U.S. and there's probably 30, 40 nations now listening to this. Um, I believe there's people being awakened to what the real church is supposed to look like, what the real believer is supposed to look like, what the real apostolic ministry is supposed to look like. And so if that's you guys, um, I, I just right now, let's just repent that Lord in every way that uh, I don't know who I am in Christ. Um, Lord, I repent in every way I embody sin or reflect the world. I repent, Lord. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you convict me in every way that I would actually turn in my heart 
from what I'm not so that you can reveal what I am. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for every person listening um, that as they've come to repentance of water, right, the water baptism, that they would also be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, that they would be baptized in Christ and be sent by Christ, by the voice of Christ, amen, by the, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and that they would begin to birth, even in their own living room, what the real church is supposed to look like. They would no longer be a victim of, of a money system um, and, a, and an organization that produces a dead place, but their living rooms would become supernatural places that as they invite people into their living rooms and they begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and the vision of the Lord comes, that demons are cast out of people, that uh, the intoxication of the Holy Ghost comes and people are baptized in the Holy Spirit and people literally pour out of, this, of, of the living room into the street and are willing to pay are willing to give their life for the gospel, that they would truly reflect it. Just as Jesus said, um, those who will lose their life will save it, and those who um, save their life for my sake will find it, right? Um, Lord, I pray that the revelation of that scripture, that they would lose their life for your sake, that that it would be no longer they who live, but Christ who live in them. Lord, that they would not be victims of a dead system, but they would give their heart simply in your in their living room lord and that and that as the people they invite into their living room lord that that grace would come upon them that the simplicity of the gospel and what it really is this simple relationship would be so profound it would be so overwhelming in revelation and encounter and visitation by the holy spirit that angels would be in the rooms with them right now lord i pray lord that those who don't pray in tongues would begin praying in the holy ghost right now in jesus name lord i pray lord that uh, that the living rooms would be the new birthing place of what the real gospel is and that the apostolic anointing would be reborn in America. Lord, let it be reborn in New Zealand. Let it be reborn in Mexico and Canada. Let the apostolic um, be reborn what, in what it really is. It would come out from under the prison system and, and those that call themselves apostles but have no power. Lord, that it would come out from under those prison systems and that the true apostle would be birthed in the wilderness place. The true apostle would be birthed in the dark cave like David. Lord, as he prayed day and night in your presence, Lord, and ultimately took down giants and became a king. Lord, I pray, Lord, that for the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon every listener right now in Jesus' name, and that the deadness of dead American church would fall off of them, that they would be able to recognize the lie of the political spirit, the lie of the religious spirit, the lie of witchcraft, and the lie of Jezebel, who has castrated the church in America. Lord, I break that power off of them right now. I break the power of um, off off of the castrating food that Jezebel has fed at our table. Just eat this and you'll be okay. Just read this scripture and you'll be okay. Just do this. I break that lie off the people and I release the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who resurrects, who actually gives the ability to reproduce spiritually back to the people. Lord, I release that upon the body and every person listening right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the power of violent prayer, Lord, let people, let it come on people right now. Lord, let them let them be so profound in prayer that their testimony would be that the Lord kept me up all night and all I could do is pray. All I could do is weep in his presence. And he showed me this. He did this. I interceded for this and this is what happened. Lord, let, let the power of simple relationship be renewed 
in this hour, Lord. We are in need of the real thing. We're in need of the supernatural burning ones pouring out into the street in Jesus' name. Lord, let, let the grace of the Holy Ghost right now lead people into their destiny, their high callings in Christ, and that they would not be conformed, especially to the world and the dead place that is deceiving, even with a cross on it, but is actually um, a place of dead men's bones, a whitewashed tomb and a dead sepulcher. Lord, I pray that people would be awakened by the discernment of the Holy Ghost, and they would be willing to walk away from what they thought gave them life. Lord, that they would be able to be led by the Spirit into the new place into the new uh, place of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in every, in every way, Lord, people um, uh, need intoxicated. Lord, I pray that the intoxication <laughs> of the Holy Ghost would come upon them right now. In Jesus' name, I command heaviness to go. I command depression to go. I command pain of broken relationships to go. I command the pain of being hurt by churches um, and and being and th- and people thinking they're doing the right thing, serving Christ, but they're actually a victim in a dead place, in a dead place that has a cross on the door. Um, you know where they broke people, where they took advantage of their money, where they took advantage of their heart, and they convinced them to just sit there for years and even decades. I break that off of the people right now in the name of Jesus, and I say to you all: be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Go in the might of the Holy Spirit. Do not let the power of religion and its and its broken shame let not do not let it uh, chain you again. Do not let it imprison you again in Jesus name. Um, I I say to you, be mounted on the horse that the Lord has called you to be mounted on and be led by the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. For those who do not prophesy, Lord, I awaken the gift of prophecy, the dream and the vision of the Lord. I awaken it upon them right now. And Lord, I pray that in the next um, in the next uh, 30 days, I pray that they all would have opportunity to cast out a devil. They all would have opportunity to pray violently and get the vision of the Lord that they would prophesy, that they would heal the sick, cast out devils and raise the dead. In Jesus name, let the, let the real church, Lord, be released upon the earth in the name of Jesus. Lord, and let the false shepherd fall from their pulpits. I pray in Jesus' name that in every way, Lord, that the false uh, shepherd, Lord, has enslaved and kept the people in bonds and chains. Lord, let that false shepherd fall, that they may be broken on the rock, that they may be resurrected in Christ. Lord, I wish that none of them would would, uh, be given away to darkness and evil. But I pray, Lord, that what they thought saved them would be broken off of them so that the power of the Holy Spirit would, would resurrect them, that their mind would no longer be set on man's systems and simply scriptural uh, requirements like the Pharisee, but they would be dead set on seeking the Holy Ghost and the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. I pray that this generation, Lord, would see the true meaning of what you meant about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost and being delivered from blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that every person listening would have such a sensitivity and value upon the Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would be wakened in the night. They would be made sensitive to your voice. They would be so concerned about um, not being in alignment with you that, that religion would literally fall off of them because they've become spirit-led and not system-led, not not uh, scriptural requirement-led, misinterpreting scriptures and everything that comes about um, through, through uh, 
generations of bad doctrine. Lord, let those lies fall off the people and let the true power of Christ be released upon those who are listening right now in Jesus' name. All right, guys, I just, I pray, I thank you for listening. Um, it's amazing what is happening. I encourage you, um, if you would want me to, uh, to come, uh, send, send me a, a message in uh, Yahoo Mail. Um, all the information is there um, in, in the podcast information. And uh, man, thanks, guys. Um, we're having an awesome time. We're, we're going to, uh, oh, where are we going? We're going to Toronto um, here in a, a few weeks. We're going to Los Angeles um, a little bit after that, um, we're going back to Kansas City uh, soon, um, I believe, uh, in May. And um, man, guys, it's just, it's amazing to see what the Lord is doing. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that when the Lord told me uh, to give up the school of the Holy Spirit, that um, the Lord would begin birthing these things in living rooms. He is doing a supernatural um, shift in, in this nation. And it's not happening in the dead place. You know why? The, the old dead sanctuary? Because the old dead sanctuary won't let it. But those who are seeking and being led by the Spirit to find the real Christ are finding Him in places that the average religious person uh, could never fathom. And so I encourage you guys, if you have an unction, reach out to me. Um, it's just amazing. Um, I'll be glad to help you in any way I can. And so God bless have a great week. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.